It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. And again, we go live now, and we are now also streaming on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, so the video meets uh, the audio as we do this now. This is for the uh, second straight, and this is now going to be our norm. So you are now uh, just treated to our just gleaming faces if you want to see them. Um, they're there. And other stuff will be flashed up on the screen because we've got high-level production now. Uh, thanks to our man Phil back in. Where is Phil? Is Phil Phil's in South Carolina? Correct. Uh, big city of Greenville, Taylor. Greenville. Actually. Okay, the Taylor, Greenville, South Carolina. Carolina. There yeah. we go. Yeah, All right. JC guy. is is in Chi Town, and and I'm here in the uh, the mecca of college football, Atlanta. It is the month of August, and no, uh, I I don't do the whole. Well, we're. 31 days away. We're 27 days. We're 24 and a half days away. I, I'm not big on wishing days of my life away. And the thing is, the more you do that, it just makes it go slower in my mind. So just it's August. Okay. Practice is going on. We're close. It's all you don't you don't need a countdown. You need a calendar. It'll be here before you know it. Um, now we start getting into some more nitty-gritty, JC. But you know, again, on this podcast, because we we cover things all over the map. We don't get into the kind of the minutia of everybody's too deep at practice. Yes, there'll be some news that comes out, injuries and a key depth chart. Some, you still have some quarterback battles going on, even in the Southeastern Conference with some programs that haven't figured it out just yet, including Alabama. That's always a headline. Um, but really what continues to steal the headlines is is what's going on with the PAC situation in Colorado and you might have more news coming out as early as today with Arizona and and the subsequent dominoes that fall after that um, are huge. So we'll talk about that. We were going to have Pete Thamel on today. Pete's actually going to have to be backed up because when I talked to him yesterday, he is so now mired in this story that he can't leave his phone. I, I mean, this is obviously it, it's a major deal. And as we've talked about all along, JC, it's not just about Colorado. Some people are like, who cares about Colorado? Colorado sucks. I mean, what's a big deal because the, the, the Colorado was just the finger in the dike of the dam. That's about to burst. Uh, if you're a pack fan, the pack nine is now what they're relegated to. You're I've made this analogy a thousand times. I'll make it again. George Klyovkov has been the guy in the band and the, as the Titanic is being submerged in the, the Atlantic in the middle of the night in uh, freezing temperatures, the pack now, I think the even the band is like, maybe we ought to stop playing music here and find a, uh, find a raft and get the hell out of here. Find the, uh, find one of those boats on the side. But as, as we know from Titanic and, and Rose and everybody, there's not enough. There's not enough rescue boats out there, and that is a uh, a problem. We will speak about this and and all matters with Tom Luganbill at uh, nine thirty. If you remember Tom Luganbill, when the last time we had him on, Tom's always a great guest, and for my money, is one of the more insightful guys. And, and JC, you and you and him kind of shared the same space for a while in the national recruiting circuit. 
Uh, Tom is now a, a field analyst on one of the, the, the top ESPN crews. And you can also catch him uh, every Sunday on Sirius XM. That's one of my favorite shows is the post the, the post Saturday action show on Sunday morning on Channel 84. But he, he was fired up when we had him on last time. He's like, you need to have me back. And we need to talk about the state of college football and all the things going on and how to fix it. And we were like, okay, you, we'll do it. So today will be that day. And we'll also, of course, talk about some of the things um, about to go on. But with all that being said, JC, good morning. I know you've got a lot on your mind, including the JC5 that we'll get to. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Um, it is August 1st. That usually just means uh, I'm getting an invoice from one of my other jobs to see how much money I make this month. So that's, there we go. that's usually pretty good unless it's on a weekend. But, uh, yeah, the counting down thing, it gets brutal. Uh, you know, for years I, I was always fired up about the start of practice. Uh, and I am to a certain extent interesting to read like the feedback and stuff. But uh, then about two weeks in, it gets just slower than molasses or slower than owl poop, if you will. Uh, and uh, that's that's a good analogy. I've never uh, heard and, that and, before. And it's, it's the slowest it, Christmas, the, the because my birthday is the day after Christmas. So when I was a kid, like Christmas was it. And it was really slow. But this is now that I've gotten older that kind of comes and goes because it's still during football season, which flies by after it finally gets here. If you ever notice that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, we wait all and it goes August too fast. And, and then like week zero gets here and it's just a garbage bunch of games this year. Besides maybe one, there's n- not even anything good. I mean, it's, it's like not even putting out hot dogs at halftime in the press box. It's popcorn stale uh, and, a, and an old school Mr. Pib machine. That's basically <laughs> what it is. And uh, and so then you, you wait all week for week one. It's awesome. And then you blink and it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then, it, yeah, then it's Christmas now. So it, it, it's worse than, than waiting for Christmas as a kid for me. But uh, I've gotten used to it. And hopefully I'll have uh, my August filled with enough activities to where, uh, you know, I won't notice it until the season actually gets here. Labor Day weekend where I'll be in Charlotte for. North Carolina, South Carolina, and college game day, and all that. So that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. As usual, we have a number of good Week One games, and I would tell people enjoy this while you can. Like LSU, Florida State, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, what what would, what would be number three? And if the, if those are the top two, what would be the third one? I mean, there's a couple of sneaky good ones, but but my point is is that. We are going, we're, we're gravitating away from the kickoff classic, pigskin classic, two heavyweights. I mean, I'm here in Atlanta, and there's a, a gentleman that runs the, you know, the, the kickoff classic here, and he's always been able to go on local radio and just brag about the great matchups that they have year after year after year. He was very upfront about the fact that, that's it's being it's getting tougher and tougher to get those things going on because conferences are now with the exception of again the SEC and the ACC are playing nine game conference slates uh i don't i've never understood how a neutral site game can make more money than the home and home but it seems like if that was the case that's changing too just the motivation for for programs to play in these games 
seems to be changing. And Alabama, I mean, we're used to them being in one every year. Well, they they're playing Middle Tennessee State, so they 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 never miss an opportunity to play in Atlanta or, or somewhere near that because they look at it as a recruiting advantage to do all that. Even Alabama said, "No, we're we're good. Um, we're good on this one." So. My point is, is that in a couple of years, I don't know if we're going to have as many marquee week one matchups. I, I'm worried that we might be losing some of that. I agree. And I've got that on the JC5, the neutral site game conundrum. So, yes, uh, that'll be a good discussion there. I think uh, I think that they're one of those things that's probably run its course as far as major power five programs go. But uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Okay, well, let's get into it. Let's not waste any time because I know right. time is – whenever we have a Wasting. guest, we always yeah. are like rapid fire on this podcast. Uh, and whenever we don't get to – because I do want to get to the mailbag. We've got some really good emails sent in on jcandmorgan.com on the mailbox, uh, mailbox tab there. So we'll get to all of it one way or another. We might have to jump around a little bit formatically. But let's enter now. The JC5. Right now, the NASDAQ, every, everybody uh, in New York, you know, the stock market kind of moves up and down as the JC5 comes out. This is like, it's like the Fed. Uh, people, Everything hinges on the JC5. People set their watch to it. Families are either happy or distraught over this. Could cause some divorce if it's not a good JC5, because then that destroys morale. And then I think sometimes that can... Uh, cause dissension in relationships. So, JC, I don't want to put all this on your shoulders, but I kind of am. All right, great. I, I have a lot to live up to there, Mike. Uh, okay, so the first one is, all right, so buying and not buying expansion rivers. I am buying that Arizona could come to a decision quickly. Uh, I am also buying that Arizona State and Utah, if the Wildcats choose to leave, are probably right behind them. I know Utah hasn't been as fired up about it, but you know, are they really going to not go join the conference, their rivals in, same with Arizona State, and, and stay behind to, to pick up the carcasses? Here, here's what I'm not buying. There, Because just the way the major expansion news has happened, Mike, it, it, it hadn't aligned with any of these rogue blogs, rogue, uh, not well-known reporters, uh, or, or if they're reporters at all, rogue insiders that pop up every single freak. You know, you don't even hear about these people till expansion happens. I think it's a social media marionette show, not buying that Clemson and Florida State are jumping to the Big Ten in August on August fifteenth, along with Oregon and Washington. Is that out there? Just, Is that on? Yeah, that's, that's 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 a big rumor, and, and people have aggregated oh, it and stuff. Like, like the worst, the worst thing ever is fan sided. It's a Sports Illustrated fan blog, basically. Because yeah. they got good SEO, so it shows up in your newsfeed, and none of it's news. It sucks. But uh, I'm not buying that. So what what, what say you uh, about that situation? Uh, no, not not now, not not even close. Um, again, the so here's the thing: the Big Twelve. If I'm reading the math correctly, if Arizona jumps ship, and even if two more come in. Two more from the pack come in. So at that point, you're you're now at 16, which I think is the ideal number for everybody until it's not, until somebody says, no, 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 I think I want 18. And then everybody else starts, I don't want to say scrambling. Like if you're the SEC, you don't have to scramble. You just sit back and make calculated moves because you've got the best hand at the poker table. But you certainly start opening the door to those possibilities. 
the the Big Twelve could add three schools at about thirty one point something million guaranteed. The Pac can't offer twenty right now. Okay, so that's the if you you want to talk about all the motivations out there. You want to talk about academics. You want to talk about um, matchups and geography. It's it's about twelve million dollars more guaranteed to leave the pack and move to the Big Twelve right now. So that's why we're there. I don't think those numbers are necessarily true for Clemson, Florida State. If you go to the Big Ten right now, is it more money? I mean, it would be surely, but I don't know if that's guaranteed right now. My my point is, I don't think that move is happening. That's not the next domino to fall. I keep I keep talking about how. This was the start. Colorado moving to the Big 12, which was predicted on this podcast a while ago, uh, would be the first of several moves. But they wouldn't all happen instantaneously. The only instantaneous move is other schools bolting, in my opinion, to the Big 12. I don't think you're going to see moves to the SEC and Big 10 just yet. I think we have the next move is waiting to see the dust settle on the other PAC programs. And if we're just going to, if that's going to become the dodo, the dinosaur, if they're going to be an extinct league, and as you pointed out, uh, some some leagues pick up the carcass, and unfortunately some, I mean, I worry about the future of like an Oregon State, a Washington State. I just don't know if they might wind up orphans. Um, but I don't think people truly grasp the Grant and Rights deal. Like, that is so ironclad. If it wasn't, there would have already been programs that had left the ACC, but it is. And so I don't think it can happen that quickly. Um, again, not to, not to bog people down in the numbers, it, the amount of money you lose if you leave that contract in the ACC, it means that the subsequent revenues, and I can't remember the exact amount of time, would go back to the ACC. So the TV money that you would, supposedly accrue in the Big Ten goes right to the ACC offices in Charlotte. I, I, I just don't see how that's feasible anytime soon. That's a great internet rumor fodder, um, but I don't see it, JC. Uh, not not anytime in the near future. Yeah, the rumor is that they'll come up with a lump sum settlement, but I doubt the ACC will even be entertained that, you know, just because they're trying to hold it together. Uh you know, so I, 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 I'm not buying it, but it's all over the place. Oregon, Washington, Clemson, Florida State, all to the Big Ten. I, now, Oregon, Washington, Washington, I could see. Yeah, that could happen. That but, could happen. Uh, I, I'm not sure that will happen anytime soon. I just, I think the Big Ten's got a lot to figure out right now. Uh, and and Warren was the guy pushing for all that. Now he's, uh, you know, systematically destroying the. Chicago Bears uh, stadium project. <laughs> so here in Chicago, so uh, that genius is off to to plunder someplace else. Uh, you know, besides, yeah, all he had to do was move from Rosemont to Hallis Hall, and, and and he's still doing damage. But anyway, on that note, Stanford and Cal, Mike, this is number two. Okay, do they even care? I, I looked up a story about the history of the Pac-10, and it's interesting. It started as the Pacific Coast Conference from 1915 to 1959, led kind of by Stanford and Cal. And and, and their whole thing was, we are the most virtuous conference academically. We will never cheat. Well, then in 1959, they found out everybody was getting paid. UCLA, Oregon, Southern Cal, uh, not Idaho, 
but Idaho dropped out of the league <laughs> shortly thereafter because they weren't competitive. It, it was like every Pac-12 team you see now besides Utah, Colorado, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, plus Idaho and Montana, which is interesting. Hmm. Montana left the league in 1950. So they folded that league, and then the virtuous California schools uh, in Washington got together, and then they, they wouldn't let the others in for a little while, then they finally – they did. It became the Pac-8, and it became what we had today. I just get the feeling Stanford and Cal right now, given kind of the, the nature of higher education, the, the culture of those schools, I don't know that they they won't just consider going down a level in football, joining maybe like the West Coast Conference for basketball where Gonzaga plays, uh, and, and keeping it going that way. I mean, people talked about the Ivy League. I can't see the Ivy League going – by coastal, but you know, it, it, I don't think they care. Is my point, and it's Stanford or Cal. I don't, I don't think they care. They, they, those are great institutions. I'd hate to see them go away because they've had a lot of moments through the years, particularly Stanford. Yeah, but uh, I just get the sense that you know th- those should be bigger players and all this than they are, and, and they're just they're they're silent. My suspicion is those are the two schools that held up adding San Diego State. Interesting. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. And you, and you might be right. I I have to think that there are people that do care. Now, are there some eggheads that uh, you know frown upon the overall importance of athletics uh, to a university, and and you know how we've we've all lost a grip on what's important, and the tails wagging the dog, and all that other nonsense. Um, I have to think there are enough people in those institutions and enough alumni, particularly as you pointed out with Stanford, Stanford has an incredible track record in athletics uh, across the board. They, they, they excel at a number of things. Now the, you know, they're, they're picked last in the pack this year in football. And I don't know what happened when, when coach Shaw was there, a guy who I was wrong about quite frankly, because I thought he was, his stock was going to continue to flourish. The problem was the moment Andrew Luck left, uh, it just went into a downward spiral, and and they're still trying to dig out of a hole there in Palo Alto, which is a beautiful, beautiful city and campus, by the way. One of the favorite ones I've ever uh, visited. But I have to think that they care. I have to think that they they want to do something. They just don't know what to do, and and they don't care enough where they would ever entertain subjecting themselves to, say, the Big 12 uh, because they are – so superior academically. I always find this hilarious. Like there, there, when I was a kid on like public access television, high schools would have like a, a, an academic bowl. Right. And it would be like Taft high against poke high. And you'd have three kids and three kids. And then whoever hit the buzzer, you'd come Thomas Edison, Ben Franklin. Um, and, and then I don't know what you won, like, uh, you know, a, a free trapper keeper. I, I don't know what the prize was, but we don't have that. Like nobody cares just because you're in an athletic conference, it doesn't mean that you are now the same academically as the other schools in your football conference. Like that makes no sense. If you are part of the prestigious, what they call AAU American association of universities, I'm probably getting that wrong. You're you're not going to lose that status because you change your college football conference. It's so stupid. Your academic, the professors are the same. The standards are the same. Nothing changes 
no matter what football league you you're, you play in. You know, you're the academic bowl, you're not taking on Washington State versus Cal in the in the academic bowl on ESPNU. Like that does doesn't exist. It's just so stupid. So uh I I don't know, JC. I think I don't think they go that far down the the ladder. Uh, whatever is going to happen to these remaining pack schools, Stanford and Cal are either going to make a move to the Big Ten, and I would say that would be more Stanford than than Cal, or they're going to have to find another league. And it's not going to be. I mean, we're the the term Power Five is so now loosely constructed. We're we're losing that um, as a whole anyway. Uh, but I think Stanford and Cal are going to somehow stay D1 in football. They care enough to do that. I just don't know if they care enough to make a move that keeps them uh, on on the same financial grounds as the teams that are leaving for the Big 12 and perhaps the Big 10. All right, got about three minutes here. Before we got to get a break, four minutes for the last three. We mentioned yeah. earlier, neutral side openers, good or bad and sustainable I've heard Alabama fans in particular complain about these for a while. I think the fan bases want home and homes more. Mm -hmm. I think these things have kind of run their course. They're great while they lasted. I personally don't mind them. I think they're like mini bowl games yeah, uh, and fun in a lot of ways. But but I think you're going to gradually see these things die out. What say you? Uh, I agree. As I uh, mentioned at the top, they're already kind of taking a major hit. And I don't, I'm like you. I to me, it's all about the matchup. Yes, it's it's always more exciting when you have a, a Bryant Denny Stadium versus a neutral site in in Atlanta, uh, Williams Bryce Stadium versus Charlotte in a, an NFL stadium. But I would sacrifice that to keep premier matchups in Week One. If we're going to lose the premier matchups anyway, then it, it just kind of feels like that's where we're headed. So I I, I think they're in trouble. I, I think that the neutral site highlight matchups and trouble and for those that think well, that's okay they'll just replace it with a home and home don't be so sure about that i think you're going to see a lot more alabama versus middle tennessee state than you are alabama versus wisconsin in dallas at jerry world speaking of wisconsin mike you hit the nail on the head there next topic wisconsin making a dramatic departure offensively from the style that's led them to being one of the more successful programs in the country for the last 20 years Luke Fickle moving them away from the ground and pound to Phil Longo, former UNC and Ole Miss uh, offensive coordinator, kind of more of a spread type air raid guy. What do you make of that? I think Wisconsin has realized that they peaked, that they that you, you can't just take Ron Dane and and you know twelve other NFL type running backs. What did we open the show up with last week, JC? Uh, the growing trend that the, the value of running backs is clearly on a decline in the NFL, which means what? Which means they're also on a decline in college, which means the the supply outweighs the demand. Like you, you can you can throw a rock and hit a future NFL running back right now about to play college football. And that, believe it or not, they're not all at Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State. They're all over the place. They're in Conference USA. They're in the Sun Belt. They're in the Mountain West. Right now in the Mountain West, there's an NFL running back. I guarantee you. I don't know his name. I don't know which school he plays for, but he's going to be like a fifth-round pick, and he's going to make a roster, and before you know it, you're going to draft him on your fantasy team. So uh, I, I think Wisconsin realizes if they're going to make it to the next level, they can't just be the, the, the four yards and a cloud of dust team anymore. 
that that they maxed that out, and now they're they're evolving, if you will. And Phil Longo is definitely the antithesis of four yards and a cloud of dust wherever he's been. Absolutely. Question I have, can they get the athletes to run it? Don't know about that. Better mm-hmm. hit South Florida pretty hard, right? Yeah. Uh, and they have historically, they've done pretty well there. Texas Tech coach Joey McGuire. Number man, five. you know, the more I realize, this is number five, and we'll wrap it up here. The, the next great, I think the next really good, I don't want to say great yet, but next really good college coach to come from Texas high school ranks. Mike, uh, how impressed are you with Texas high school football? Not only with the players they put out, but now, you know, the last 20 years, there's been a lot of coaches. Art Bryles was one of them that, that came from those ranks that uh, were pretty successful at this level. Is, is it a cradle of coaches in the Lone Star State? Uh, it, it certainly seems that way. And look, Texas football, high school football has long been uh, the standard, right? I mean, you, you mentioned Florida. You could throw California in there. You could throw Georgia in there, especially with the population boom in the Peach State and Atlanta alone. But, yeah, Texas has always been right there, and, and, and specifically to McGuire. If they had the kind of year that a lot of people think they're going to have, that is a guy who's going to be on everybody's radar. and. It's going to be interesting because you got oil money in Texas, as we always point out. Does it's not just UT? It's it's Baylor, it's TCU. Like they find cash, uh, but you could have a guy that could name his job. If again, the benefit of the Big Twelve will be that it'll be the most unpredictable league every year in the Power Five, Four, Three, whatever. Uh, because once you lose Texas, Oklahoma it really opens up the door to a lot of good, not great programs. And some people think Texas Tech might be good enough this year to actually win the league. If he if that happens and he does that, he's going to be the most sought-after guy out there. And I, I'll be very curious. I know his ties. I know his roots are in that state. But I wonder if he would entertain other offers. I think he's the next coach at Texas. And I think he'll be, an, uh, he'll be a legend. That's my theory. I don't think Sark – I've never thought Sark was a good fit there. Great offensive mind, but culturally they have problems. And I think I think Joey McGuire, that'll be the guy. That okay. Ends up, you know, old Joey McGuire from whatever – I, I think he was a Lufkin. I'm not 100% positive on that, but I knew him back in the day, and uh, that'll be the guy. So we'll see. I like it. That's, All right. That's hot. That's hot. We got to get a break because uh, our, our guy – Tom Luke Tom is in. Lukes is uh, ready to go. Awesome. And it's always awesome to talk to Tom. So we'll be back after these messages on JC and Morgan. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. 
life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. All right, back with you here on JC and Morgan. Mike Morgan here in Atlanta, JC in Chicago, and uh, from the Queen City of Charlotte, which we were actually talking about a little bit in the opening segment. It is ESPN's Tom Lugan, Bill. I, I was uh, bragging about your early Lugs, about I, I think the Sunday show you do, uh, usually with Barrett Salee, who we've had on, yeah. right? I, I think that's as good as it gets. Like, that is my primer for the week coming ahead because we just about every game has been played. And yeah. you guys have three hours to kind of chop it up uh, and really enjoy that. You've been doing that for, for how many years now? Oh, uh, six or seven years now, Barrett and I have been doing it. And it's it, it. And I appreciate you listening. It is a fun show. It's a hard show for me because what happens is, depending on where I'm at on the weekend, and you know this with game travel, mm-hmm. if I don't have like a noon Eastern or 11 Central kick, and I can't get back home. I have to stay, do the show from the hotel room the next day in sun on a Sunday, then fly home. So I got to get done with my game and then start scrambling and making sure I get you know caught up to speed on all the other games. And it's just like this this mad dash. But the, the thing, it's funny you say it's your primer for the week. It actually kind of becomes my primer for the week too for the following radio shows or hits or college football mm-hmm. live and all of those. So it, it kind of turns into a nice little study session. Yeah, it, it really does. And Sunday mornings are always unique. Cause like you said, uh, for those of us who are broadcasting one specific game, we are so immersed in that one game, those yeah. two teams, you don't have time. I mean, you scoreboard watch. And if it's a night game, you get to see some of the early games, but even if you're just Joe six pack sitting on the couch, for 10 hours on a given Saturday, there's only so many games you can consume. And then it's like you you start going online Saturday night, Sunday morning, and you find all these nuggets of sec- you know sneaky good games, sneaky good performances. My dog just knocked his dish over. Holy Thank you, Baxter. Smokes. That's Is Baxter, Baxter hungry? Is he telling you what's up? I guess he's telling me something. He's giving me a little attitude. Come on, Bax, you're better than that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but Don't you, you know you I'm on air, Baxter. Yeah, apparently you think he'd learn his lesson by now. I do this every week. He's Baxter, kind of you ate his... a whole cheese wheel by yourself. <laughs> I'm not even mad. Impressive. Baxter, you don't speak Spanish. Um, 
Yes, I did name him after Anchorman, uh, the, the dog in Anchorman, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, where was I? Yeah, so so you, you start like looking and perusing all these other games, and because it's college football and it's so vast, it's not like the NFL. Yeah. You've got, on any given Saturday, you can have like 50 games, and you start finding these these treasures out there, these these sneaky good performances and games. And I'm guessing that's something that you look forward to as well. I mean, you can only talk about the same – 20 teams so long it's it's nice to have other storylines out there it absolutely is and when you start to get into the latter part of the season and you get to like for me i'll start doing two games a week because i'll do like a midweek maction or midweek sunbelt then you're really diving deep right because you know in recruiting and jc knows this as well as anybody it's it's when you're so conditioned to be following the top let's just say 500 or so players in high school recruiting and then they're tending to go to a very small percentage of programs. So we know the Alabamas, we know the Texas, we know the Ohio States and the SCs and the Georgias. But then, you know, you, you, you stop and you realize, holy smokes, like there's roughly 2,800 kids that will sign in every single recruiting class. And the vast majority of those kids are not going to Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State they're actually going to the group of five level or the FCS level. So you start really doing a deep dive into guys that you're not that familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. Schemes are schemes, X's and O's and X's are X's and O's. You meet coaches along the way at every level, but having to kind of really study the roster is that's not only challenging, but somewhat rewarding because it's not just the easy, Oh, that guy's in there too deep. I remember him. He was number 46 in our rankings or whatever, three years ago. Yeah, I, me, I, I, I'd go and see some uh, Mountain West game, and and it was either good or bad. Like a guy would right. just be tearing it up, and you knew he's going to be in the NFL. And I'd look, I see where he went to high school. Well, if he went to some school in Idaho, ah, chalk it up to being in Idaho, right? But if he's from like Olive Branch, Mississippi, I'm like, yeah, how in the hell did he get out of Mississippi? You know, so it's it's uh it's uh, it's all that's always a fun game to play. How many stars did Jacquez Rogers have before he went to Oregon State? Come on, guys, give me, give it to me. Was he <laughs> one of the half two? Florida kid, but he, he here's an even better one. How about Josh Jacobs? Like yeah. Josh Jacobs was hanging on by a thread, hoping to maybe go to Tulsa, like hoping to maybe go to Colorado State, and then Alabama comes in at the last minute. I, you know what it is too, and JC knows this. You know everybody always talks about like hits and misses. Right. Well, you can't be every you can't be everywhere at one time. There is always going to be Ben Roethlisberger's. There are always going to be Kurt Warner's. There are always going to be Dan Lefevers. And I could go on and on and on. Kellen Moore's. I mean, we we could. You're just guys are going to slip through the cracks. Guys develop at later at later times in their career. Guys may grow up in a town where there's no recruiting traffic. A Josh Allen and nobody sees him. Right. You just. It happens, and it happens to Nick Saban, and it ha happens to Ryan Day, and it happens to Lincoln Riley. It's just the, the numbers are so vast that you can't get everybody. You can't evaluate everybody. And then on top of it, you have to be willing to acknowledge that you're going to actually miss, too. You may say, I took this guy and should have taken that guy. Everybody and that, does. That NFL used guys to, do. Look at the draft. I mean, that's right. Oh, that's right. Fifty percent of the time in the first round they miss. Yeah, and that's on a twenty-two-year-old with unlimited resources to uncover every red flag known to man to avoid making a fifty million-dollar yeah. mistake, and they still make it. 
I, and, and, I mean, it used to be, <clears throat> there was a time a few years ago, there was a stat on the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think like about half of them were at first round draft picks. Now that I think that's changing. Yeah. I think, I think scouting college quarterbacks as they play more pro type offenses and more pass happy off. Like it's a little easier now than it was 10, 15 years ago to project. Well, you say? Mike, I'll tell you the, what I think's happened more so now. And I think Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit for this is I think there was a stretch where there was failure in terms of identifying and drafting quarterbacks because the guys in the NFL are so system-based. You're either multiple pro style, either the Coriel stuff, the Sid Gilman stuff, whatever it is, or your West Coast, right? And then what you started to see was the spread offense and the single wing coming back and the shotgun-based stuff and the RPO-based stuff and all of this. And now quarterbacks are not trained to take a three and a five-step drop. They're not trained in ball handling and, and all of these different things. So when they get to the NFL level, they're completely unprepared. So you're trying to stick a square peg into a round hole. And then all of a sudden, a guy like Andy Reid gets a, a Patrick Mahomes dumped in his lap. And he starts to realize real quick, hey, wait a minute, what, what are we doing here? You know, I've been in the West Coast offense for 40 some odd years. I've got to start adapting to what these guys know when we get them, not try to change them when they're 23 years old. And when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they look like a college team. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they really do when you watch them on offense. So I think the credit actually starts to kind of go to, to the coaches now in the NFL that are starting to realize, listen, we can't subject our premier player to injury on every single snap, but we better start advancing and evolving around how they've been brought up since they were 12 years old. And what is that? That's in the shotgun, all right? That's RPO-based, that's zone read-based, uh, half-field reads, simplifying everything, simplifying per- perfections. And, and JC, you'd be able to back me up on this. I still chuckle to this day. Whether I go to an Elite 11 or I go to an Under Armour camp or an Adidas camp, whatever it is, and I'll see a kid with 20 Power 5 offers and he literally cannot take a five-step drop from under center and throw a 10 to 12-yard speed cut out without taking a hitch step. Can't do it. Like, you're sitting there. It's mind-boggling. You're going, holy smoke. You know why? Because all he does is stand back there and clap or lift his leg and the ball is snapped to him. And then the ball's out of his hand. It's just, it's a, it's a different world. And I think it took a while for ego and literally just willingness for the NFL to start to make that adaptation, to evolve to that and not try again to stick a square peg into a round hole. Agreed. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Yeah, I've been to many, many camps through the years and Loses right, man. The, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, hey, if you ever been to a seven on seven tournament too, it's it's oh. like, it's it. There's none of that. No, there's no reads. I mean, it, there's not. No. It's there's there's no uh, there's none of that taking place. So um, it's good. I'll, I'll never forget. That. I watched Teddy Bridgewater one time at a seven on seven lead a comeback victory. He was three touchdowns down, and he came back and won. It was out in Portland. Um, was that there, the, there, uh, there uh, the Nike opening? It was in the open one oh, year. Yeah, and yeah. His team was down. I, I've never seen a four touchdown comeback in seven on seven ever. Yeah. But but you take away things like that, you know, and not the not the mechanics and fundamentals and all that. That's kind of what uh, what I got out of. But Luz is absolutely right. It's a uh, 
uh, it's a different deal. And Andy Reid does deserve credit because uh, he's kind of changed it to where, you know, I'm a Bears fan now, I guess. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Justin Fields does this year, you know, and I think right. if yeah. the Bears take that approach, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. So yeah, he, He's got a – I mean, he's flashed at times, but he's got a ways, a ways to go. I, I actually had uh, Fields in a game last year, and, I mean, we were just sitting there amazed. He, he couldn't hit like a screen pass. I mean, he was just yeah. so erratic and inaccurate, and I'm like, you know the talent is there. Um, but, but he doesn't have a lot of help around him either. No, I mean, it's a terrible roster. It has been for a while, but you know, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy like that's gone to a pretty bad situation, but the talent is so overflowing that you still make some, some make some things happen. Like there's some throws you just, even if you have a bad roster, you should be able to make consistently at at that level. And that's what he's got to prove. And I, you know, go back to Andy Reid and Mahomes. I mean, I feel uh silly because i i did two of his games in college mahomes and i i mean i i because i'd seen texas tech before do it with five other guys that right. were not nfl talent and you start well is it system or like you knew he had a strong arm okay and, right. and you knew I, I remember his dad as a pitcher yeah he's strong arm but i didn't know he, i was looking at one of the best quarterbacks that's going to go down in the history of the nfl well, the reason why, Mike, not, and not to interrupt you there, yeah. is you're not wrong in what you're saying. If you look at the 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 air raid offense, which is what he he came from, and you can go all the way back to Kentucky in the late '90s with Tim Couch. Essentially, if you look at all of the players, okay, whether it's been and all of the the coaches that have come off that tree, so Bryles, Holgerson, um, Sumlin, um, Lincoln Riley, all of them. Aside from Patrick Mahomes, and I think we could probably count Jared Goff, okay? And I'm trying to think of potentially another, maybe Eugene Smith with the resurgence in Seattle. You cannot name a player that has come out of that offense in college and succeeded in the NFL. You can't. Yeah. They don't, it, 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 for whatever reason, it has not transitioned well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great college offense. It's it's tried and true, but you're not wrong in what you're saying because I saw him too in college. I had him and I was on the sideline. I'm watching this guy. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's really talented, but I you just kind of get conditioned to think, okay, well, he's Taylor Potts. He's Cliff Kingsbury. He's, you know, just name the guy, right? right. And they've all been through it and and they don't transition to the next level and then he's this freak of nature all of a sudden. All of a sudden, he just burst onto the scene. You're like, oh, I should have seen that. Maybe. Um, I want to go back to something that, that we were talking about earlier. And and part of the reason why we had you on, you, you were fired up last time because I, I don't know how we got into it. But we, we just started kind of talking about the state of the union, if you will, college football. And, and you're a great guest to have to, to talk on that. And, and we're going to get into, yes, uh, we've been in a, in a no NIL portal zone for like a month, but we do have to address it. And, and <laughs> like we put it on, we, 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 we portal put our free zone, portal free zone. Like I just, I N- just had to get NIL free summer. I had to get away from it at least for like 30 days just to not, you. but you, you can't avoid it. And you know how it is when you're in those coaches meetings, you don't even have to ask the question. They come right out and tell you, I mean, oh, uh, like, oh. I, I go back to November. I had an Alabama game, and and Nick Saban comes out and he sits down with us. We didn't have to ask a question. He went into a twenty minute diatribe about 
NIL and the portal and, and the ridiculous nature of, of no guardrails and everything else. But let's go back to what you were talking about, like like doing a Mac game. So you, you, you do a Mac game. Like I remember I had one last year, and I can't even remember where it was, but it's me and Cole Kublik, and there's this guy on defense that clearly is the best athlete on the field, and he's only like a sophomore. And you're thinking like, wow, this guy can dominate the Mac for another couple of years. And then our sideline reporter, I think, was Quint Kesnick, is like, yeah, guys, he's already getting looks in the portal. Like, he'll be yeah. gone. And he's, there's no yeah. chance. So where I was going when we were talking about kind of recruiting, it feels to me, and you guys know better than I do on the recruiting front, that there are more great players, prospects in the pot every year. Okay? More people playing high school football, the advanced nature of, of coaching, scouting, preparation seven on seven special quarterback coaches for like 16 year olds the all that is is true but just when you think there might be some more parity in college football if you have one standout year at a sunbelt school a mac school uh, whatever school you're gone they find you and they pluck you right out just like they do in college basketball now so the rich will get richer if you're in that middle, I don't know how you get out of it. And God forbid you're in the third or fourth tier. You are really just trying to push the boulder up the hill, right? Like we're, we're not changing anytime soon with kind of that, those lines of demarcation. So you can talk the portal exclusively, and then you can talk NIL exclusively. The problem is, is when you combine both of them, it becomes a very destructive element to middle and lower tier college football because anybody with half a brain that thought that the two of those things combined were going to create parity were out of their mind because what you can't account for when you talk about it on the surface is at the end of the day, resources will reign supreme, okay? I don't care what you do with NIL. I don't care what you do with the transfer portal. If you don't have Alabama's resources, if you don't have Georgia's resources, if you don't have SC's resources or Ohio State or Michigan, I could go on and on and on. You're you're still going to be, like you said, pushing that boulder uphill because when, when I when I look, I, I had somebody ask me the question, you know, why you know why doesn't Clemson you know jump into the transfer portal? Why doesn't Georgia jump into the transfer portal? And my answer is, there will never be a high level of transfer portal infusion type teams that will compete for a national title because you will have no established depth. You'll have one to two year guys. And yes, it might make you a better team and you may be able to compete long-term, but look at Georgia, look at Alabama, look at Ohio state, look at Michigan, uh, Clemson, they're not going in and taking 10, 12, 15 guys out of the transfer portal. They're, 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 just, they're just not. And so, you know, for me, that, that whole thing, and a lot of people, and I've been accused of it, um, I think falsely, but, oh, you're, you're anti-player movement or you're anti. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. What I am is I am I'm pro let's have a plan. I'm pro let's have a blueprint. And I think we've all got to understand in all of this stuff, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but we've got to understand that right now, this is an all or none thing in the eyes of the players. They want everything, but they don't want to have to give anything, right? Mm -hmm. So 
the universities understand that, okay, here we are. The coaches understand, here we are. Here's the player movement. This is the world we're living in. Okay, I get it. I may not like it. I may not agree with it. But give us some parameters. It can't just be an all or none proposition. So I'll give you a, a prime example. Have you, I don't know if you guys have read it and you should go read the NFL collective bargaining agreement on rookie contracts, right? There is very little wiggle room. There's essentially no negotiation. It's a four year contract. There's an established ceiling and there's an established floor, all right? And you will complete the remainder of that four year contract, all right? Well, how did they come to that point? Through collective bargaining, right? So the players got to give a little bit, teams have got to give a little bit, and then this is the contract you sign. Okay, in college football right now, let's just say I'm a high profile guy and I sign a scholarship with the University of Georgia. And I go out and I am a freshman All-American. Guess what I can do? I can put myself out on the open market, shop myself around and go to the highest bidder. Can you do that in the NFL? No. So why, why are we doing this? I mean, I, I think that's at the end of the day, if, if, if you want to be, have player movement, if you want to have some freedoms, that's fine. But there, ha there has to be some stipulations. There has to be some legislation. Like if, 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 if I'm going to sit there and say in the NFL, I got to fulfill my rookie contract before I have movement, then there has to be something in college football that says once you arrive on campus, right, you, if you're going to transfer, let's just say before the start of your junior year, you do have to sit out. There has to be something that's some form of a deterrent um, to put you in a position to have to, number one, perform and earn the name, image, and likeness. And right now, we have none of that. And, and we just got to come up with some type of formula or process by which each side gives, each side takes, all right? Both come away with something that's agreeable, and then we move forward. Right now, it's an all and proposition. The The problem with... The, the discussion on things like this is because on the, the, the shows that have, uh, you know, two or three carnival barkers going back and forth at each other that don't spend right. a whole lot of time talking college football. Quite honestly, they're not college football fans. Right. But their number one thing is their narrative has been for years and, the, and then they try to instill it in everybody else. The college athlete has been so exploited, manipulated, et cetera, et cetera, taken advantage of. They don't care about the health of the sport of college football. All they care yeah. about is that said players get more in their pockets. Okay. Yeah. But, and, and if that in itself would be okay, but they don't have to think it through. They don't have to think about the repercussions right. of this move, that move. All they, they So they just sit there and yell and scream about that. Yeah. They have no player interest. Player freedom. Player yeah. freedom, yeah. And like you said, and, and I've had this too, where I've talked about, well, yeah, I've never been against college athletes getting more compensation, but you do have to have some type of structure in place. Oh, no, you're just negative. You're anti-player. Like, yeah, no, I'm exactly. not. That's such a stupid <laughs> argument. It's like a third grade argument and they make it. And and that's what people believe. Like you have to the prisoner of two ideas. If you actually want some structure and guardrails, that means you're anti-player. What, what insane logic is that? We're, we're a nation of laws, right? But we're also a nation of laws in our employment, like uh, just like you and I and everybody else. Like there are things in the contract that I sign or if I'm an insurance salesman, there are things that I know that I can and can't do. That's mm -hmm. part. That's part of life. That's part of professional life. Um, 
but but right now we have we have none of that and and i you know i was i was, I was referencing the, the nfl rookie contract model and you know if you look at that thing and you tried to apply that right now to college football all the players would be like no 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 because <laughs> they want it all right? right and if you say one word about saying well, hold on a second. We we need to maybe manage it a little bit. Oh, you're anti-player freedom. Yeah. You're anti-player movement. Blah blah blah. No, I'm not. I we this we're just in an unsustainable structure right now that cannot continue to go on and just roll down the hill and pick up momentum here and just leave all kinds of shrapnel uh, behind it because that's that's what we're doing right now. And the and the thing that gets glossed over in all of this are the actual players because over 50% of them will not have a landing spot in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Name, image, and likeness will eventually run its course if you don't actually perform. Because that's my other issue with this. And I understand it's a scholarship deal versus antitrust, collective bargaining agreement, and making them employees. But we have name, image, and likeness deals in place with zero stipulations to perform. How is that even possible? So the, I so if I'm Miles Brennan at LSU last year, and I signed an NIL deal during spring football, and then I decide in the summer, hey, I'm not going to play, he still gets that. Like, is that the real world? Does it, would you get that in your employment, JC? Would you get that in your employment? I I wouldn't. So yeah. it's sooner or late, sooner or later, performance has to come into play here when we talk about value for name, image, and likeness. How do you get name, image, and likeness value? You perform. Then you become a marketable commodity. Right now, it's, yeah, we're going to sign you to an NIL deal. But if you never play a snap, it's okay. What? Doesn't make any sense. Well, these guys don't have the value coming out of high school either. I mean, it's unless you're an Arch Manning, and you're a Manning, right? Cooper Manning has NIL. Yeah, Cooper Manning has NIL value, right? Uh, you know, somebody famous as kid always, you know, has has NIL value, and and that's what should determine that, not how how many uh, you know how highly rated you are or what kind of what kind of prospect you project as. That that drives me well, crazy. And, and JC, you know what? Too, yeah. you know what's crazy about this is, remember, none of this was supposed to apply to recruiting. What did they think was going to happen? Like, what what in, in God's green earth did they think was going to happen when you dump this on the lap of coaches and they're like, yeah. hmm, we, we, so technically there's no rules. They say we can't do this. And by the way, do you know that the name, image, and likeness guidelines for the NCAA when it first came out was a one sheet? It was one page of vagaries. The most transformative legislation in 40 years in the NCAA, and it's a one sheet. Come sounds, on, man. Sounds like one of my term papers in college. I, I think <laughs> if you if you listen to this podcast years ago, uh, I mean, I was screaming from the mountaintops. It's going to be pay for play. Like it's going to. Well, what it I did. Is. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the yeah. moment that you do this without any regulations. And you you do it in the guise of it's, I mean it's artificial demand. You you do it in the guise of well no 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 they're just getting paid on their likeness. That's not what this is at all. You're just buying recruits. What right. I didn't count on was pay for stay. What I didn't think about, you know, you you take like a Drake May for example. The, North Carolina recruit your own team. They recruit your own player, and they're very yeah. lucky that Drake May is a Tar Heel legacy. through and through his whole yeah. legacy family. 
Otherwise, I don't think North Carolina is going to match the kind of bids he was going to get on the open market. The seven, literally seven figure bids he was going to get on the open. Because unlike a high school kid, now you're paying for a future first round draft pick. Like you know, yeah. you're, you've already he's a seen commodity. It. You know, he's a commodity. Getting. Yes. So that that's the difference. All right. So Tom Luganbill is a man of solutions. So here here huh. we go to to circle back to you know our, our conversation months ago, and, and I know you you have a lot of thoughts on this. How would you start to legislate the portal and NIL really at the same time because they they, they kind of go hand in hand. So how how would you do it if you're writing this bill or rule book, what have you? I think we are on an inevitable path of collective bargaining because it's the only thing that will keep this out of court. Now, a lot of people who don't agree with that or may not like it, um, I think we'll have, eventually have to move away from the scholarship model because the moment, here's the issue with all of this. And when it was just unleashed, we talk about lack of guardrails or legislation or rules or guidelines, whatever you want to call them. The moment you try to put that pace back into the tube, you're going to get pushback. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't want any rules. Now you're restricting our movement or you're restricting our ability to earn. We're, we're, we're going right to court, right? So how do you stay out of court? Because that's the only, it's the only question that needs to be asked. And then come and then somehow uh, there needs to be an answer. And the answer is, is you collectively bargain. Now, whether that's through the NCAA or we have a new college football commission somewhere and then the players have to somehow get into a position where either they've unionized or they've agreed to terms on this, that and the other. But I look at this strictly and, of course, I'm no legal scholar, but I know that every single time, every single time. If you remember pre-COVID when somebody would try to transfer and then they'd apply for the waiver, did you notice that every single kid that lawyered up got the waiver and everyone that didn't, didn't? Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to be in court. How do you stay out of court in all of this? And so to me, and, and I would say in all of this, be careful what you wish for players, because right now under the current structure, you have your, your health insurance, you have access to, state-of-the-art facilities, state-of-the-art health and uh, training and conditioning, strength and conditioning, uh, athletic training, study hall, tutoring, all of that stuff under the umbrella of your scholarship, right? Well, if you become an employee, all right, some of that stuff now may be coming out of your own pocket to subsidize on your own like the rest of the working (laughs) world uh, when they go get a job. So if you want to turn it into a job, understand there's going to be some things that you may not necessarily like but i think that's the path inevitably we are going down how quickly could it happen i don't know but i do know that what we've seen so far is every time you try to come up with a solution to streamline it or to create some guardrails there's going to be pushback and the threat's mm-hmm. going to be i'm going to lawyer up and you can't do that to us how do you right. avoid that i i think that's the challenge and everybody seems to have all of their ideas, but I'm only trying to think of ideas that keep you out of court. Yeah. And the sad thing is, I mean, if you're a Nick Saban, you say whatever you want, cause you've got the cachet to do it. But what most of these coaches have to do is, is kind of grind their teeth, bite their tongue and say what they don't truly mean because they don't want to appear anti-player compensation. Cause that could hurt Absolutely. them in recruiting. Right. Yeah. So they play the game. Oh, I'm all for, you know, we, we could use some guardrails, but I'm all for this. You know when they're getting together in Destin and, and they're on the golf course or they're on the beach and they're like, this is absolute madness. 
How exactly. the hell did we get to this point? And then what happens is, is the general fan will go, see, there's a rich coach and he can move whenever he wants. Right. And he blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. That person probably has a master's degree. He's a working professional. He's put food on his table for his family. And we're comparing an 18-year-old to him right. or her or whatever. I mean, to me, I've always had a hard time swallowing that one. But it is madness. And it's tough. And you know what? These coaches are paid a lot of money. I don't feel bad for them. They're, they're, they get paid a lot of money to navigate this stuff. Now, they never in their wildest dream, even five years ago, would have ever imagined they'd be in the position that they are in now. So are they going to bitch and moan and cry about it and get upset about it behind closed doors and then play the game outwardly? Of course they are. They have, they have no choice. But I'll tell you what's going to happen if we don't start to do this. You're going to see some of the best young coaches completely bypass college football. They're going to go right into the NFL. They're going to go right into scouting. Because they're going to look at this and go, I don't want to deal with any of this crap, mm -hmm. right? And you're going to lose good young people in the profession that could grow up to be the next Dabo Sweeney, or they could grow up to be the next Lincoln Riley, that got into it at a time where there were a lot of these things now that you didn't have to deal with, so it was much more enticing. Now it's not as enticing um, because the challenges are so ridiculous. I think NIL is one, like TV. Yeah. I think if people thought about this, and I've said this before, television is one gigantic name, image, and likeness deal. Yep. Tom, you go on TV, they're paying you for your name, image, and likeness. Correct. Mike, name, image, likeness. Me, mm -hmm. uh, image and likeness. <laughs> but uh, still, I mean, and we have parameters we have to hit, right? All right, so to avoid getting sued, you yeah. just sign every freshman in the country to a two-year exclusive NIL deal with your school. And, and ex exclusive deals are very common when it comes to NIL. If, if mm -hmm. you're an actor and you, you, you're like uh, Charlotte Volkswagen, you know, you can't go and say, all right, I'm going to do Monroe Volkswagen in the same market. Right. No, that eliminates, it takes it out of recruiting. It would create unfair balance conference to conference because sure. not uh, all TV money is created. But at least within the conferences, you know, you give it two years, it's exclusive. And then, you heavily regulate it. You get, you probably get rid of collectives and then the guys that are good, they can go get the endorsements and stuff, let them do it after two years. Uh, and then everybody's still getting the same cut of the TV money. To me, that makes the most sense is that, that, that cause that's TV is name, image and likeness. Is it not? I mean, that's yeah. what we're doing. Sure. We're, uh, using those guys as, as entertainment programming. So that, 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 that's my idea, but I doubt it'll ever, ever happen because the, the TV money is a, a big subject in, in and of itself, you know. Well, and the pushback, too, there from from coaches would be, okay, are there performance standards? Are we paying a guy to do nothing? Like, are we paying a guy to be the fourth team guy? Has he performed to earn what we're paying him to do? And I think that's that that is the kind of the – when you peel back all the layers – is where the coaches probably have like a, a bit of a scenario. And I've, you talk to coaches and I've talked to coaches about it and they go through the recruiting process and the kid comes up and says, well, I want $500,000 and I want you to get my girlfriend uh, into school and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you haven't done anything. Like you're me banking on you. The percentages are so low that you're going to pan out and that's what you want in return. Like that's a, that's alarming. And I, and I think it's dangerous and I'm all for guys earning every single cent they can possibly earn. And by the way, name, image, and likeness isn't just tied to performance on the field. If you have a talent or you're a social media presence or you can influence a product, 
you can become marketable and, and create value in that area as well. I'm all for that. I love the free market. Go out and figure out um, how you can become marketable. And maybe that's your name image. I'm like this. I remember two years ago when this whole thing unraveled, the backup guard at Missouri had an unbelievable social media presence and, and he was able to create NIL compensation. He wasn't playing yet. He wasn't on the field. But from the playing part of it, and I always go back to this and everybody says, oh, that's not fair. Who's more disappointed in DJ Uyunglele, Dr. Pepper or Dabo Sweeney? <laughs> right? And, and so, yeah. And so you sit there and say, okay, well, we paid Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma all of this money, and then he isn't even the starter, right? So was that a good investment? And these guys, fellas, were established college players. Now we're talking about doing the same thing with a 17-year-old, and we don't know how that guy is going to pan out. And that's just, you know, it's money to burn. You know, you're throwing, you know, uh, and, and I, I get boosters, alumni, collectives. They may have money they're willing to lose, but I promise you they're going to lose it more often than they, they, than they gain it. And that's why somebody like a C.J. Stroud, uh, a Bryce Young, a Caleb Williams, they're worth every single penny they can earn. And you know why? Because they produce they played and performed to a high level that generated a marketable commodity and a value to them. And I'm all for that. My problem is the guy in the first two to three years that hasn't done anything, it's making a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and that's, boy, I, th th somebody's going to write an article. You know, there, there's going to be a, I don't know, an Andy Staples or a Pete Tham or somebody whose job it is to do this. They're going to write an expose. And you can you can put me on the byline, whoever's listening out there. They're going to write an expose on dead. It's kind of like in the NFL, you have dead cap money. They're going to write an expose on dead NIL money, like the biggest bus of yeah. yep. guaranteed NIL it's deals common. to give into college football players who never panned out in the least and where all that money went, like all the wasted funds out there. And again, in, in a free market society, that is part of what happens. I mean, you do sure. sign contracts with with people in football and any business in any walk of life, and, and you don't necessarily get your return on investment. That's part of the gamble if you're willing to stroke the check. But yeah. right now, it's it's borderline and uh, just insane with with where we are and 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 no guardrails whatsoever. And it, it sounds like I mean, I, I know there's a bill out there that apparently is bipartisan, but. I don't have any confidence that that gets passed anytime soon. I, I don't think much is changing, Lugs, for the next couple of years. Do you? Yeah, maybe not. I've, heard, I've seen some of the stuff, and I've read up on some of the things that have been proposed. I know Tommy Tuberville's behind it, which is probably – not, not behind it, but involved in it, which is a good thing because he's lived that world. Mm -hmm. Say what you want about Tommy Tuberville. That's fine. But at least he's he's – been behind those closed doors. He's made those decisions. He has recruited. He's been in the process. He's coached these guys. Um, it's, it's a good voice to, to have in the room. But I, I know that some of the things they've talked about is, you know, extending health insurance for every player, I think like either four to six years beyond the completion of their college career or whatever. Um, and, and some things, there are some things that have been proposed that like I, I really uh, agree with, but I still think there's a lot of work to be done because I think the work that needs to be done is not so much while you're in school and post school it's how do we curb the stuff at the high school level leading into college 
so that that thing doesn't just, because you talked about separating the has and the have nots. If you're going to go out and recruit and you work at Georgia and Alabama versus working at Kansas or Northwestern or, um, Vanderbilt. I don't know, a Vanderbilt or like even an Arkansas, an established program, they're never going to be playing with the same deck of cards. They're not. It's never going to be equal. It's never going to be close. And we hear Lane Kiffin talk about this all the time. And he's 100% correct. He's like, I'm at Ole Miss and we've got a great situation here, but I'm not at Alabama. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be Alabama. And unless you're, again, a Georgia or an Ohio State. So we're just widening the gap the longer we let this thing go. Want to pivot real quick uh, before we let you go, just on a couple of things going on outside of that realm. That was that was heavy, had to be done. I think we all feel better. I think we all had to get some things off our chest, kind of a cleanse, if and you will. And now you can go another six weeks and and, and have a, a post. We won't mention it. Fall free. The band's back. I've been because last time you know we were kind of up against. It. I've been waiting since May to hear this. You know, I've yeah. Been like, uh, uh, and and when you I, do I, your Tom, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I love no, to hear perfect. Tom talk about this stuff because he, he gets Absolutely. passionate about it. Like uh, even even like when we did recruiting together, man. Like you never heard anybody like as real about it as Tom. Like Tom was real about all this yeah. stuff, and then I I, I kind of developed that myself through the years. So uh, <laughs> I've been waiting to hear about this because this is good. So this has been a big well, treat for me. And you don't get to do it on your your satellite show because you got to take a commercial break every. I know those formats haven't haven't yeah. done it. You know, and then you're on to the next subject and you just you can't stay with something. So we got it all out there. This is the, the tu- <laughs> tutorial of the State of the Union, courtesy of Lugs. And we'll, we'll be back into an NIL portal free uh, discussion zone here on JC and Morgan. Um, I do want to ask you, because, again, your your broadcast crew, you do games all over the place. And yeah. uh, it, it's not uncommon that you would do a, a, a pack game. Right. So. When you look at where that league is right now and the possible destruction it's headed towards, what do you make of it? I mean, I know you didn't play in the pack. You didn't necessarily grow up a fan of the pack, but just as a college football fan, I think a lot of people are a little bit dismayed to see a a once proud league uh, right now potentially in shambles. Well, I got it. I got to make a small correction there for you because I I do have a history of it. My dad coached in the old pack eight. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, coached in the Pac-10. I grew up in those locker rooms. And then he coached in the old WAC, which is now essentially what the Mountain West is. Right. right. Um, and 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 I was a Southern California guy. And I and I and I grew up during the Don James years mm-hmm. and Frank Cush and um, you know, guys, you know, the, the coaches at SC where whether it was John McKay or, you know, Ted Tolner or John Robinson. And and I seen those programs flourish. And I, you know, I I've seen that league be completely upside down when Oregon and Oregon State were the two worst teams in the league year in and year out, right? And then you had SC, UCLA, and Washington, and you know at times Arizona State and Arizona were were the top dogs. And now it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of flipped. But I knew I knew in the spring, regardless of what just happened with Colorado, regardless of the grant of rights and the the television or the media rights deal that either is or is not forthcoming, I knew that when San Diego State took a step back and said, eh, I think we're going to let, we're going to play this one out. That was damning to me because how are you as a group of five program when the two Southern California schools leave the conference and you can become the PAC 12 representative 
from LA to the border of Mexico and you say no? Like, how does that happen? And I, when that happened, I went, uh oh, this ain't good. And on top of it, and I know we are embarking on a, a new world order, if you will, of how people consume their media, how they consume their sports, linear versus nonlinear, streaming versus linear. Are you watching it on your phone and tablet or are you watching it on a TV with a cable or a satellite? And so now you're looking at the Pac-12 and what was the biggest complaint about the Pac-12 network? You could never find it. Nobody had, nobody had it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now if you're going to be relegated to non-linear only, and I know there's been talks about the CW or Nickelodeon or whatever it is. Think about the challenges that embark on that. Because not only if that's what you're relegated to, think about the money that you're going to have to put forth and spend just to get people steered to where they can find it. And then they're going to have to pay for it. Right? So I just, it's not healthy. I think it's sad because we need West Coast football. Um, and I know we're going to have SC and we're going to have UCLA. And I, I understand they're, they're involved in college football. But we are in a, an arms race of survival right now, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to, when the music stops, you better not be left without a chair. And I think that's why Oregon and, and Washington are, are trying to actively figure out, okay, what's the next move? The two Arizona schools we've talked about. But I think it sucks, quite honestly, man. I, I really do. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I feel awful about it. And, and the other thing, too, whatever they decide to do, whether they're on the CW and they're airing their games after reruns of Dawson's Creek, I don't care what it is, right? Katie Holmes Somehow. was great in that show, by the way, just an FYI. <laughs> Somehow, some way, they've got to air their games in a viewing window where the Central and East, time, East Coast time fan bases can watch it. And it's not 1030 Eastern at night, okay? And and that's I'm a firm believer, guys. There have been six players in the last 26 years. If you count Rashawn Salam in Colorado and Ty Detmer at BYU being quote unquote West Coast, six players that have won the Heisman Trophy on the West Coast. You know why? Because you can't win the Heisman Trophy in a box score the next right. morning. Right. You have to be seen. Yeah. To me, Christian McCaffrey was without question the Heisman Trophy winner. That I voted year. for him. I voted for him. Right. I but guess pretty what? Derek, Derek Henry's playing on 3.30 Eastern time yeah. every afternoon. Yeah. He's playing on 7.30 p.m. time Eastern time every Saturday night. He is getting seen. It's not a score in the newspaper the next morning. Right. And so somehow getting those games on at 12.30 Eastern, and I know it could mean a morning kick, somehow getting those games on at 4 o'clock Eastern, all right, which would be a 1 p.m. kick. they got to come up with a way of massaging that. But And I, I don't mean this to sound self-serving because uh, you and I are both employed by the four-letter network, but if, if they're – and I'll expand this to Fox. If they don't have any games on either one of those and they're just streaming and you're asking people to go out of their way to find it on Amazon or what whatever it is, yeah. You are just you are taking your exposure and you're putting yet another dent in it. I yeah. I, I just think that's I, so I don't know what George Klyovkov is doing. He might he might have the most brilliant plan that we don't see coming, but here it is. We're now in August and it doesn't seem like there's much positive on the horizon. And he I, just I, got played by Colorado. Completely. Big time. 
completely. Yeah. And, and I don't know how you didn't see it coming. Like, like this, this has been, we had Gary Barnett on the show a month ago, former Colorado coach. He's their yeah. radio analyst. He said, point blank, they're going to the big 12. And I was yeah. like, what did he just say that? He said, they're going to the big 12. Like, how do you not know that? How do you, how do you not do what you have to do to keep a, I, and I get it. Colorado has been bad in football, but there's no question that it's, it's value to that brand. And that conference could not afford to lose a Colorado, just like they can't afford to lose an Arizona, which could happen before we finish this interview. <laughs> You're right. You know, I mean, Pete Thamel's probably right now. He's sitting there with his with his speed dial, like, okay, how did it go with the board of regents or whoever, however that works? Um, all right, one last question: What are you looking for this year? Uh, it, everybody and their grandmother is going to pick Georgia. Um, it, it's the same teams we talk about every year, with few exceptions, right? I mean, it's sure. it's Georgia out of the SEC, it's Alabama, LSU in the Western Division, it's Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten, it's Clemson perhaps out of the ACC, maybe a resurgence from Florida State, and in yeah. the Big 12, is this the year of Texas? Who knows? And then, of course, yeah. um, out West, it's the, the team that's about to be in the Midwest, and that's Southern Cal. What, what, what am I missing? Uh, I don't think you're missing anything. I think the storylines, though, are clearly the quarterback position at, at top-level blue blood programs. Like, what are we going to see from Georgia at quarterback? What are we going to see from Ohio State at quarterback? What are we going to see from Alabama at quarterback? Right? What are we going to see um, with Bobby Petrino and Connor Wigman and Max Johnson at, at Texas A&M? What are we going to see at Florida at quarterback? I think that's what's fun for me is we have top-tier blue blood programs that are all breaking in new signal callers that have really good players around that player. Like who's the guy that at the end of the year that we're going to go, Oh my gosh, dude, what? I mean, this guy's just made such like, is it Kyle McCord? Right. Is it Ty Simpson? Like who, who at the quarterback position, in my opinion, is Cade Klubnick going to make that next jump? We saw flashes last year. All right. You look, we just come off the PAC 12 conversation. You could make an argument that the top quarterbacks top to bottom in the country are all in that conference. Every one of them, right? Outside of a Drake May, you know, and and, and some other guys. Um, but for me, it's it's. I think that's the fun of it is is new quarterback. What are we going to see out of Tyler Van Dyke? Can he get back on schedule <laughs> at Miami? Right? Mm -hmm. uh, is JJ McCarthy going to now that he's taken the reins? Is is he going to elevate himself? A lot of people think they could be a college football playoff team. Could he find himself in the Heisman Trophy? So. To me, very quarterback strong. You guys talked Wisconsin before I came on. I agree with you, JC. I have no idea where they're going to come up with the athletes to run that offense. But I know they got a quarterback because that dude is good. Tanner Mordecai is a good, good football player. So, again, quarterback storylines for me are what I'm looking forward to, especially with some of the newcomers as we get through the first month of the season. I'm looking over your right shoulder. And you have the same thing I have in my office, which is a Jaws kind of like mini poster DVD cover, right? Is that what yeah, I'm looking right at? There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually the Jaws to my my my, my beach shoes, my water beach shoes, or Jaws beach <laughs> shoes, and they came in that box, and that was the top of them. Like that's okay, because awesome, that's the okay. best movie ever made. Uh, well, uh, that's where I'm going. So we do a segment at the end of each podcast, five and dime, uh, rewatchable movies that you've either seen. At least five times, that's okay. a fiver. At least ten times, that's a dimer. I have made the argument Jaws is a Ben Franklin is the most rewatchable movie, a remote dropper every time it's on. It's Jaws, it's Shawshank, yep. it's Godfather. Um, 
I've probably seen Jaws. When I say see, maybe not start to finish, but if it's on TNT, if it's on what? Yeah, yeah. At you least stop you, what you're doing. You stop what you're doing. The remote goes on the ground, and you continue, even if it's background noise. I yeah. think Jaws for me is around a hundred. What? Where does it? What? What? What's the tally on the Luganbill Jaws count? No, oh, I'm 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 right there with you. Um, maybe even more. Um, yeah. I think it's I think it's the best film ever made. And it's funny to hear Spielberg talk about it because had the shark worked, it would have been an entirely different movie and probably not as good. Right. The fact that he had to come up with ways to give you the illusion the shark was there because the dumbass shark wouldn't work. Right. Bruce, Bruce the shark, Bruce. who's named after his agent, which is right. great. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, to me, like The Dark Knight. Okay, I've probably seen that 50 times, right? I think it's one of the, the superhero movie or not, one of the best movies uh, ever made. Braveheart, the best movies ever made. Okay. You're going to go into the com- comedy genre. You can't go wrong with Caddyshack because, you know, we all grew yeah. up with it. Sure. You know, um, but uh, I, yeah, I have, dude, I, I'm such a worthless pile of <laughs> nothingness, if you will, when it comes to like pop, like I lump, some people say, oh, for recreation, what do you do? I, I, I separate for two and a half hours and I go to the movies. How do I get away yeah. from football? I, I literally will go to the movies. I go by myself. Everybody's like, you go to the movies by yourself. I'm like, you can't talk to anybody there. That's right. What, 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 what does it matter if I'm there by myself? Right. right? And now they serve beer and booze and Heck you can yeah. sit there with your popcorn. I mean, it, it, it makes for a great little getaway. So, yeah, I'm I'm totally dialed into TV shows. I could sit here with you guys and do an entire four hour show on nothing but shows, streaming shows, classic shows we grew up with, movies, like the whole nine yards. Like that's that's my deal. I love this. This. OK, that's a tease for the next appearance. In, yeah. in another, I mean, look, uh, like, look at my office. You're looking at it right now. So, <laughs> as as uh, me and Dave Pass were in uh, Batman versus Superman: uh, Dawn of Justice, we were the play-by-play guys for the game between Gotham and, and Metropolis. I did. Not I got my Jaws that. stuff over here. Uh-huh. I got look, look at my Jaws shark. I got my Jaws shark with Quint in there. Beautiful. Right. I got Superman the movie stuff. I got a lightsaber handle over here. I mean, it's literally, I'm 12 years old. Hooper drives the boat, Chief. <laughs> that's all I need to know. That's, that's I in my head a lot more than three thousand dollars, Chief. Who, <laughs> oh, by the way, was a raging alcoholic in real life and was an absolute pain to work with. And by the way, they had to redo the entire boat speech about the Indianapolis because he was hand- so hammered the whole time. He woke up the next day and went to Spielberg and said, "Did I screw that up?" I'm like, yeah, we got to redo it. And that was not in the original script, right? That that was an Is add-in. It, the whole Indian. Screw and sports. Let's just talk about Jaws all day. We, we could do that. We could. <laughs> we we could definitely do over, that. Over there, going, what the hell is going These on? These guys have lost it. Yes, it, it's true. No, I I have the same um, pathetic and sad uh, pop culture. Like I don't listen to music. I, it's all about rewatching movies and TV shows. I'll do that over a. Popping in a Taylor Swift CD. Anyway, uh, nobody listens to CDs anymore either. That shows you how much I listen to music. Lukes, you are always outstanding. Uh, you are our de facto czar of college football this year. We're declaring that today. That. And uh, we I don't know if we solved any problems, but at least we highlighted the issues and came up with something. So that's always a good thing. And we had fun. And we had fun. We always have fun. That's the most important. That's yeah. the most important thing, my friend. Most important. We'll uh, we'll do it again in due time. I know things are about to pick up and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, on the sideline, breaking things down like no other somewhere at uh, one of the best college football games every week. Tom Luke and Bill, always a pleasure. Thank you.
All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. JC, take care, man. Good talking to you, too. Yeah, take care, guys. Take care, right. Tom. See you, Lukes. That is Tom Luganville, the incomparable Tom Luganville of ESPN, Sirius XM, and, yes, Jaws aficionado. We are overdue for a break. We'll come back. We'll get to the mailbag, Five and Dime, and some other good stuff here on JC and Morgan. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, TitanCGInc.com. That's TitanCGInc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the JC and Morgan podcast. All right, we are we are back. Oh, I am back. JC is will be back as we get ready to uh, dive into our mailbag segment and uh, also our five and dime segment as well. That was a quicker break than I expected. I thought we were having a little uh, yeah, bit longer. Me too. Break. <laughs> Caught me off guard. I, I thought we had. Um, I thought we had two commercials there, and we I will so. soon. I, I, we will. I yeah. have some. I have some production to send to Phil on that one, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my okay. fault. I'm, I just kind of got back there. All right, so we got about 15 minutes because uh, on the Chief Sports Network, and by the way, I know a lot of you probably didn't catch this live out there in our greater audience around the country. Uh, I wanted to say download the uh, – they go to the Chief Sports Network app, and J.C. and Morgan will stream on there, plus our podcast will be on there, and you can access our website from there. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a new sports app, but we eventually will have – streaming programming on there all day, including national stuff and then state by state at one point. Uh, so go, go, go download that for us. We've had, we lost it yesterday. I've had a great, uh, great, uh, great time with that, but that's, uh, that's it. So we got another show coming up on the, on the chief sports app here. Uh, and so we got about 15 minutes and uh, ready to rock and roll. Ready to rock and roll. Uh, I know time is of the essence. So I'll dive right in our mailbag, which is on JC and Morgan dot com and is brought to you by elite roofing and restoration you see the phone number scrolling at the bottom of the screen for those of you that are just listening it's 678-781-1998 678-781-1998 you can also go on the website and sign up uh they will call you i know in, in atlanta jc we had another like hailstorm a week week and a half ago and so a lot of people had damage to their roof that's where you need to find a good roofer. It should be covered by your insurance. Give Jeremy Johnson and the folks there a call, not just in Georgia. They cover South Carolina. In fact, Jeremy started his uh, business in South Carolina. If you're listening to us in the Southeast, chances are Elite Roofing and Restoration can help you. Again, 678-781-1998. Let them know you heard about it on JC and Morgan. All right, from the mailbag, Justin starts out. Uh, this is one of our Big Ten listeners. We love we love listeners from everywhere and every conference. Uh, he says, "Good day, gentlemen. Long time listener, first time emailer. Really enjoy the podcast. It's unique to find informed yet unbiased discussions on college football. So we're already fans of Justin's email because he paid us a compliment 
in the opening paragraph. He says, it's usually one of the other talking heads with no allegiances, spouting off generalities or homers who can tell you about the third string tight end spring practice performance for their team, but can't name a player outside their conference. I like that. Uh, hopefully we don't qualify into either one of those uh, buckets. Anyway, help me get out of the Michigan bubble with the recent NCAA leak that Jim Harbaugh will be suspended uh, for four games, allegedly for lying about violations during COVID. Given the recent school suspensions that involved coaches, is that too much, too little, or just right? What do you think? Hmm. Well, we should note, if you look at the first four games, and I'm not picking on Michigan because everybody has this. The SEC always takes a beating because some of the lighter opponents are later, but the Big Ten schools do the same thing. They just front load it. So this actually is the perfect, if you ever wanted to set yourself up for having the right schedule for a impending suspension, this is the way you do it. You put all your lighter opponents, and there is one conference game, but it's against Rutgers. So they're going to be heavy, heavy, heavy favorites in all four of these games. Um, I don't think he should ever have been. I don't, I don't think he should have been suspended. I think the NCAA is bored. Uh, I think a lot of the COVID stuff now we we found out was kind of a, unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's a lot of forgiveness that's had to take place to the sit there and act like it's the spring of 2020 and he did something so egregious or what. I just you know, and I know he lied, and you shouldn't lie. Okay, that's that's mm-hmm. it's not nice to lie, right? But we are in a business full of liars <laughs> and, 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 and it shouldn't come as, as a surprise. You know, is it going to hurt Michigan? No, but, but man, I, I just, with all the stuff that all the real issues going on out there in college football to, to bust uh, Mr. Dad pants for, uh, for that, I, I thought it was a crock of crap. I really did. And I think the NCAA is just trying to go, hey, we still matter. E, e, we still matter. Well, that's no. that's it. I, I mean, the NCAA now, I got into a debate. I, I'm not going to say his name because I like the guy, but I was on his show and he's saying, we got into this debate about who runs college football. And he was saying, well, they're all members of the NCAA, so the NCAA runs college football. I was like, you could not be more wrong if you tried. The NCAA <laughs> – powerless in college football every major decision is made by the conferences every uh, expanding to a 12 team playoff eight or nine game conference slate and all the money see the basketball tournament pays for everything else that's not football pays for women's softball pays for the wrestling championships the ncaa is a terrific event planner for championships they do not run college football they do not get the money from college football they do not make the deals that run college football. Uh, they are not involved in things like the transfer portal rule, portal rules, everything else. And they have become weaker and weaker as a legislative um, branch of, uh, of of cracking down on NCAA violation. It's easy to like pile on Jeremy Pruitt when Jeremy Pruitt's never going to get hired again. They, I wonder what the suspension would have been if Herman Edwards was still at Arizona State because they were probably the most egregious violators of this hmm. COVID type rule. But Herm is gone, uh, and so we never heard anything else about it. I don't think that Arizona State had dinged for for any of that that was going on, or did they just blame it all on Herm and his staff. That's that's no longer there. I think it's I think it's too much. Yeah. I think I'm like UJC. I think it's grandstanding. Like we we got to show that we still matter. Um, if if one of those games, like let's just say Michigan had, 
Obviously, they'll never play Ohio State in September, but let's just say they played in like a kickoff classic type thing. It was Michigan-Alabama in Jerry World in week one, and they, they tried to pull this. Oh, it would be Armageddon. See, I don't think the NCAA would have done that. I think they would have they would have floated this. They would have done something to avoid Jim Harbaugh not being on the sideline uh, for a, a, a truly relevant game. Good question, and uh, thank you for the comments, Justin. Uh, from Robert, Robert G., who will be the next college football head coach to get his first national title? Shane Beamer. Whoa! <laughs> I had to die the whole thing there. Ah, who uh, knows? You know, uh, it, it, I, I'll I make I'll make a guess. Was, All right, Brian Kelly, LSU. Would that be his? Oh, it'd be his first major college. Like, well, one one at Grand, Grand Valley State. Don't yeah, I, I think hey. I'm going to guess Robert meant D one. D one, yeah. That's uh, that's going to be my guess. I, I think that's an excellent pick because I think a lot of people would say Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day, but Brian Kelly's sneaky good, man, and he's got players now. Ryan Day is it, one more loss against Michigan away from being unemployed. Not for it, long. It, it, Somebody will hire him. But yeah, with 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 Brian Kelly, he's like if like like I mentioned Shane Beamer. If let's say Frank Beamer, who was up for the Georgia job and turned it down at one point. Let's say Frank had gotten the Georgia job. Yeah. And 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 built it like he built Virginia Tech with you know everything he did. Uh I, I think it's awfully similar. I think Frank Beamer never got over the hump at Virginia Tech because while you can get your share of talent to compete, and if you have a Michael Vick one year, you can play for all the marbles. You you just against some of the these teams from the SEC and stuff, they just they didn't match up. But at Georgia, he would have the athletes to match up. Uh, oh, yeah. Or if Gary Patterson had taken Texas, something like that. that that's mm-hmm. the kind of move Brian Kelly made. And none of us would have said a word about it had it been those two guys. But because Brian Kelly came from the almighty Notre Dame, who, like, I have a lot of respect for Notre Dame, love Notre Dame, whatever. I'm not a Notre Dame hater. But they're just a little – the type of athletes they get are good enough to go to the playoff, win their share in a lot of games – but not in playoff games, not to match up with the Alabamas, Clemsons, Georgias, th- those teams. LSU has that. So we'll see what happens. I, I love that pick, Mike. I'm putting my arms around it metaphorically. Uh, yeah, and I, Lincoln Riley would have been my my second choice since you mentioned him as well. Um, if Ryan Day stays at Ohio State, then, you know, you're, you're really – you're almost picking programs over coaches when you answer a question like that. Like, I don't know if I necessarily believe those are the best three coaches in college football that haven't won a national title, but they're in the best situation, combined with the fact they can all coach. I mean, I'm not taking nothing away, especially from Kelly and, and Riley, because they both exceeded at other places, uh, uh, excelled, excuse me, at other places, exceeded expectations, you could say, um, because in a lot of ways, those were not the most highly – I mean, I remember when Lincoln Riley got the – got promoted and got the job a lot of people are like huh we can we can do better than that and now he's <laughs> he's uh obviously was a hot commodity for southern cow and we'll see where they go um you couple more quick... a sleeper? You a yeah sleeper? please i love sleepers. Kalen, Kalen DeBoer. Ooh, that is a 
That's strong. But I mean, he's, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if it'll be at Washington. But. Right. I mean, Cause he's definitely going to be in the mix for other jobs. If he keeps doing mm. what he's doing. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Terry, we got a ducks fan, man. We're, we're, we're all over the map today. Ducks fan here. Do you think Bo Nix can lead us back to the playoff this year? Let me tell you one thing about Bo Nix. Bo Nix went from so maligned at Auburn to a guy now. If you look at NFL draft boards, Bo Nix with another good year has a chance to be a high draft pick. Uh, Bo Nix has a chance to kind of prove to everybody that he was highly touted for a reason, even though it didn't necessarily – it just had some bad moments at Auburn. It just, it just did. In some in some big games, he had some bad moments. But to answer the question, um, if this was an expanded playoff, I'm all in on Oregon getting into the 12-team field. But in a four-team field, I don't see it this year. I just I, I don't see Oregon and, getting in. And it's tough to do with all the talk about the Pac-12 falling apart. This year's going to be a, good, a really good year in that league with the quarterbacks they have. And it's the same old, same old. They're a superior league top to bottom than the ACC. They just – the, they don't have a cream of the crop, and they knock each other off. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's why Utah's won it twice in a row. So, right, uh, that's interesting. I, I like Bo Nix. I've always liked Bo Nix. I think he's a winner. Is he a perfect quarterback? No. Um, I, I thought he really redeemed himself because you know they started with Georgia and just got blown out of the water last year, as a lot of teams did. Uh, and then Bo rallied. Everybody's like, oh, Bo Nix against Georgia. Can't do nothing against Georgia. And then he rallies, and, and they have a really good year. And I think they have a lot of weapons this year uh, to uh, to have a good offense and for him to be good. And so that's good. I'm, I'm happy uh, happy, uh, happy for uh, for him. Because, yeah, that's Patrick Nix's son. We all remember Patrick Nix, right? Oh, yeah. Auburn great quarter. You remember him? You grew up in Auburn, pull up for Auburn. Yeah, Auburn, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, my Patrick my Nicks. my brother was there a little bit before before Nix. He was there when some guy named Bo was toting the rock. Um, last one, Shane from Georgia. Name a dark horse for the Heisman Trophy this year. I mean, some might say Bo Nix. Honestly, if if he tears it up and Oregon has a 10-11 win season, dark horse. Dark Horse now almost has to be a non-quarterback, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I is there is there so. a non-quarterback that can win it this year? A running back, a receiver. There's not a defensive player getting enough shine no. that they're going to, you know. Uh, all right, I'll give you I'll give you one. I'll give you one. And this is a dark it, the, the definition of dark horse cuz it's probably not going to happen. If Georgia decides we're going to feature one of the best athletes in college football and the best athlete at his position by far, Brock Bowers. I like that. I like that. How about Quinshed Junkins from Ole Miss? The from Ole Miss? I would Does love that. Oh, he'll put up like massive numbers. Yeah. Crazy numbers. But, I just uh, don't know where I- Ole Miss is going to finish. Quarterback-wise, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington is interesting. No you question. When he, he was in Indiana and uh, during the COVID year, and they almost won their division. Yeah. Like, like he could be another first-round pick. Scouts and then he him. went away and had a bad year or whatever and then got out to um, Washington, and he was good. I think Kalen DeBoer was at Indiana. I don't know. I, I don't know if they crossed paths or not. But anyway, I know DeBoer was at Indiana at some point. But anyway, yeah, that's a shoot. I mean, that's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion to see who's in it at the end. 
you just gave me two spurriers. You gave me two, but anyways, and then a shoot in the middle of that answer. You were channeling oh, your inner old Sorry. ball coach right there. Head ball coach. All right, Head five and head. dime. <laughs> we we mentioned this with Lou. He's talking about Jaws. That's a Ben Franklin. Again, if you've seen it five times, that's a fiver. Ten times, that's a dimer. Uh, or in some cases, none of the above. I'm going to have some – I'm going to take some heat on this. First one, The Departed. That's above a dimer for me. I figured you might say that, and I figure a lot of our audience would agree with you. I did not love this movie. I don't think it is a strength of the um, – it's a Scorsese film, right? Oh, yeah. Is it not? Yeah. I don't think this is – like I just can't put it in the same – category or or prestige as casino goodfellas i'm just not there i thought jack nicholson is overacting from start to finish uh mark Wahlberg, i i just didn't like it i dicaprio's good in everything i've seen it like three times and every time i see it again i think like okay now's the time i'm going to fall in love with it I'm just not there. I apologize. I know I'm going to take a whole lot of smoke on this one. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's none of the above. The cast is so good. I mean, you got, I mean, Alec Baldwin uh, is, is a, like a bit part, you know, Matt Damon, uh, Mark mm-hmm. Wall, Mike, Matt Damon, Mark, Leo. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I like the soundtrack. It's, it's a little different because it's yeah. Boston and, and you know, gang, gangs of New York. Is it a gang? Is it gangs of New York? No. Is no. it? I mean, uh, Scorsese has a new one coming out this this fall about Native Americans and things that I think is going to be good. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the Departed. I I thought it was a lot better than um, the or what's the one that, that they just finished, The Irishman. The Irishman. Uh, yeah, and I like the Irishman. Don't get me wrong; a lot of people didn't like the movie. I love. I need to see it, it again. Yeah, yeah. Pesci was kind of like low key, and I mean, it was kind of a flipped deal. Pacino was in it. De Niro, uh, I liked it, but it was way it was way too long. You know, just like yeah. one of those where you know I, I'm not going to watch it. You know, a bunch. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, right. I can't go with you there on the Departed man. I, I understand. Like this is the beauty of this segment because you and I have. I think it's safe to say we have different taste. Uh, overall, now we, there's some that we agree on that we could both watch a thousand times. All the president's men. We're going a little historical here. We're going 1970s. Redford, Hoffman, Jason Robards. What is it for you? It, it's a it's a below a, a nickel. All right, none of the above for you. Okay, it's a fiver for me. I do love historical movies. I told you I've seen JFK an unhealthy amount of times, and I had to like. <laughs> go out of my way to not uh, believe everything that's in that movie because a lot of it is quite frankly not true even though it's based on books not Oliver Stone necessarily uh I thought this was a a good flick there's a lot in here too that wasn't entirely accurate if you go back and I mean they made Woodward and Bernstein look like they were just completely ahead of the story nobody else even I mean the New York Times was writing the story too there were other people covering this um so the the whole notion that they were just these incredible journalists, um, and we're they're both alive now. What are they reporting on now? Heck, you got you got your fair share of scandals going on, um, 
is, are they writing anything? I don't, I don't know. But uh, I did like them. I just, the performances are outstanding. They, they really, really are. Um, it's a dry movie. There are not a whole lot of laughs. And there's not a whole lot of uh, cut the fat type of thing. It's just kind of fact, 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 fact. Uh, all right. Storyline, storyline, storylines. I'll go with a nickel on that one. Final one. No Country for Old Men. This was on cable last week, and I find myself, every time it's on, just sinking into the couch. And I don't know why I like this movie so much, but I do. It's a dimer for me. Below a nickel for me. But it's just not my favorite Coen Brothers film. I I like the Big Lebowski raising Arizona a little better. Those are, yeah, I mean, those are comedies, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think that it's one of those, Mike, if I went back and watched it again uh, a couple more times, I would probably feel feel a little better about it, right? It's one of those when I saw it the first time, I was like, eh. And then I see it the second time, like, okay, now I get it. Same thing happened with me. That's probably what I need to do. Yeah, it's Pulp Fiction. I saw in the theater. I was like, what the heck was that? And then now it's on cable and it's it's a remote dropper. Boogie Nights. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like Boogie Nights when I first saw it. Now I look. I see it as a, a dark humor, just incredible cast, and I love it. But uh, No Country for Old Men. It's really dark and just. There's no bells and whistles. It's just coming at you. You got Josh Brolin. Shane Beamer was on with us last week. Said he loved the Goonies. That's where Brolin started, and he's great in this movie. Um. But I, I really, I, I learned to just, I don't know why. There's not much to it, but I love the movie. So for me, that's a dimer. So I got a nickel, a dime, and a none of the above. You've got two none of the aboves and a dimer in The Departed. There you go. Dimer plus, yeah, probably. On dimer but yeah, plus. No, okay. I need to go back and watch it. Like, I didn't think Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery was funny the first time I watched it. <laughs> Watched it the second time, laughed at everything, including the opener. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just the mood I was in. So. Yeah. Well, that that does that does make a difference. By the way, I saw Oppenheimer. I'm not going to see Barbie. Um, I saw Oppenheimer in the <laughs> theater. In the theater. Yeah. I. I whatever. <laughs> I no no judgment zone. If you like Barbie, go see Barbie. Uh, Oppenheimer's three hours. It's intense. And I saw it in the theater. They look cinema as I'm eating my pizza and popcorn. And yes, I watched it by myself, like like Luke's likes to do. I do the same thing. Uh, I thought it was really good, just really, really good, really good uh, flick. I learned a lot. Did a deep dive on Mr. Oppenheimer in that time frame. A lot of stuff you just don't learn in, in you know middle school history that's in that movie, and uh, it's it's very well done. So on that note. This podcast hopefully has been very well done. Our thanks to Phil. Give me a, is it Mullinax? Am I pronouncing that right? That's an awesome name. Phil Mullinax, yeah. Phil Mullinax. And Phil does an outstanding job, and he's uh, been able to make this, uh, put us into yet another dimension as we're now in the video zone as well. You can catch us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, in addition to Spotify, iTunes, and every other format. Don't forget to check out the website, JC and morgan.com keep the emails coming love the mailbag you can shoot one over on that and what am i missing jc anything else we need to plug before we get on out of here chief app download chief app uh, chief app yes definitely yes. chief app is going places not just this show but but others in time 
led by the great Jamie Bradford. JC, fantastic job as always. Our thanks to Tom Luganville, our thanks to Phil, and special thanks to all of you that continue to watch and listen as this podcast continues to grow and expand. For uh, our entire crew, this is Mike saying so long. We'll see you next week on JC and Morgan.